Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Well, open in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6. Hope you're following along with us. Uh, really hope that you're reading a chapter a day. It won't hurt you, and uh, probably it'll help you. But I realize that we can get bogged down in, in some, of the, some of the details of this. But that won't hurt you either. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you today for this time. We bless you, Lord, because we find, we find in your word where you've left these instructions, Father, these understandings for us. And, and Father, even if we read them for the hundredth time, when, you're, when your uh, light hits them, Father, they become different in us. They actually become living. And so we thank you today, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. When I teach something for this length of time, I'm always tempted to go back and make all kinds of review things and make sure that I keep it connected. And, and uh, that's harder to do when you're teaching something for months on, on end. But I want to remind you this morning that the whole book of Proverbs is literally line upon line wisdom stuff. And, and so at the beginning of this teaching, we defined wisdom as the ability to regulate thoughts, words, and actions according to God's direction and intent. Keep in mind that when God's wisdom is poured out, behind it is the application of his intent. So sometimes what happens in our life is that we want to do a particular thing. Even the world might teach us to do a particular thing. It might even make perfect human sense. But inside wisdom is the intent of God. So occasionally, God will call us to do things out of wisdom that don't make any human sense. <laughs> and you go, well, it should make, no, no, no. Hebrews, can you put this up for me, please, Jeremy? Hebrews 11 and 3. Notice it says, by faith, we understand. There we go. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. You need to, you need to get this. Notice the order. Notice God's intent. Faith causes understanding. Most people believe that understanding creates faith. If you'll understand the word, you can have faith. But that isn't what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that if you learn all of this stuff, you'll have all this great understanding and wisdom. He says, faith makes us understand. By faith, what's faith? Faith's invisible. So by faith, we understand these things. Faith brings understanding. So you don't have to understand God's wisdom to use it. Now, you should seek understanding, but remember, faith brings understanding. By faith, we understand. If you read the last part of that, it says, things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Well, again, makes no sense. So for an example, if you are in a position where you can't afford to give, see, that's your human understanding. There's a little bit too much month left at the end of your money. If you can't afford to give, everybody and their dog will tell you don't give except God. And God will say, you need to plant a seed. Why? Because by faith, we understand. See, before it ever happens, we have that faith that says, this is what God, see, that's God's intent. Are y'all tracking with me? Some of you frowning, because I know that probably you grew up in the same church as I did, where they taught you that, that if you'll just, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Have you ever heard that? If that was to be taken 
actually right on, 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 on uh, like face value, then when you go home today, turn on YouTube or, or the U version or something and just leave the Bible playing because you'll be, you'll be so amazed because all you're doing is hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. But there has to be something inside of that that's different. So if you use your human hearing, first and foremost, to hear the word of God, you'll become an educated person who wouldn't know God if he walked up to him on the street with a brick and hit him in the head. Because you see, you don't understand God by human intellect. As smart as you think you are, God is smarter than you. That makes sense. So when you recognize that, by faith we understand this is about creation, but by faith, we understand. So faith brings us to the place where we can understand things. So when you're reading the book of Proverbs and you're looking for wisdom, you need to understand by faith, that by understanding or by seeking after wisdom by faith, it'll change the way that you regulate your relationship with God. Okay? In some cases, it doesn't make any sense to spend three or four hours on Sunday morning in church. It just doesn't make any sense. And you'll hear the world say, how come, I read an article from a pastor in Chicago and he had these 12 things that he said, if you're going to come to our church, please understand these things. Okay. And one of them was, we're not going to be moved by your desires. <laughs> our church isn't going to look like you want it to. We're going to trust God. What's that mean? It's messy. And if you want to order our mess, you'll order us away from the things of God. Faith understands that when people come up for prayer with a need, that by coming together two or more, Jesus says he will be in the middle of that. Right? We understand that by faith because most of you don't recognize when Jesus was in the middle of your stuff. You're just going through life. But the Bible says where two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst. Wisdom teaches us that. Faith is how we access it. Faith brings understanding of, an, of invisible things. That makes sense. All right, back in Proverbs then, you look in chapter 6 as we were ending last week, and there'll be times where I leave out, you know, parts of this, and you'll say, oh, you left out my favorite part in, in Proverbs. Well, just let me know that, and you can teach next week. <laughs> look, if you would, please, at the 22nd verse of Proverbs 6. So here we are trying to tie this together, but notice what he says. He says, when you roam... okay." Stop for just a second and, and keep the perspective correct. This father was teaching his son before his son needed the information. That makes sense? This father was teaching his son before he needed... He says, when you roam... How many of you recognize that occasionally your children will roam? How many of you have, don't raise your hands, how many of you have recognized that your children picked occasionally the wrong road? They went the wrong direction. They did the wrong things, according to you. And yet God, in the middle of all of that, almost always seems to meet them. Sometimes we give up, and so we don't notice it. If you ever give up on your kids and say, well, nothing's ever going to change them, you won't notice what God's going to do in their life, because you quit watching 
By faith we understand he's going to do these things. So he gives us those things before. It's literally instruction or wisdom given before needed. And according to this book and the writer and the, the, the connection there, he did it over and over and over again. How many of you have ever done that with your children? Over and over and over. Till you were just about ready to, to gag that stuff. I mean, you're just going, oh, dear God. And, and you, you wondered why they, they didn't get it. Because you see, it's not by your great teaching that they get things. It's by faith they get understanding. What's happening here? You keep imparting the word to them, imparting the word to them, and they finally listen with their spiritual ears. Now, they're listening, and here's how you know they're, li- they're listening, because they'll surprise you. Your children will surprise you. At one point, they'll just step off into the world of faith and obedience, and you'll just go, hmm, where'd that come from? You've been putting it in them all their life. You've been living it in front of them all their life. The issue is we are so impatient. Did you know that wisdom isn't impatient? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Wisdom. What do you think God thinks when he looks down from heaven and sees us? I mean, honestly, we've, we've had this book together for thousands of years, a couple thousands of years anyway, based on Jesus. You know, the, the Bible we hold in our hands. And, and I don't know how long you think it might take you to, to, to read this thing. But sooner or later, you ought to just, you know, work your way through it. And, and do you think God ever looks down from heaven and says, gee, many Christmas, I speak to them, I give them the Bible, I put the Holy Spirit in them, and look what they're doing. God's never impatient. Wisdom, now, I don't mean to imply that God has the same kind of faith like humans have, but, but wisdom suggests that the faith that God has has created the understanding that God has in dealing with us before we ever need it. By faith, we understand. Not we understand to get faith. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to teach a message called The Peril of Understanding Before Faith. The Peril of Understanding. If you try and get your understanding first, your faith will be limited because your understanding will be based on your intellect. Your understanding will be coming from the soulish realm. You'll be so smart because you read the book. And you won't listen to your human Holy Spirit receptacle, your human spirit. You'll say, well, I got this. And you'll actually, and if this is you, please, please don't grimace because I, I always am looking at the people who, you know, you end up hitting them. If you throw a, a, a rock in the middle of a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one you hit. Okay, but when, when you do these kinds of things and you throw those things out there and you say something like that, the person who gets hit is the one that went, oh, wait, that's me. We actually believe that we have to understand healing before we can have faith in the fact that it would happen. Well, how does healing happen? Well, we've got to pray this way. No, you don't. You don't. Some people get healed without having any understanding. 
Some of them get healed. The ten lepers, nine of them, ten of them got healed. Nine of them didn't say thank you. One came back. Remember the story of the people with the, with the, the was it the virgins with the oil? Did you notice that God didn't chastise the ones who saved enough for not, for not helping the ones who didn't save any? He chastised the one who didn't save any. That doesn't even sound like a good, gracious God. But you see, he told them to prepare. Blessed are they that prepare. What am I preparing for? I don't know, but go ahead and do it. See, faith gives you the understanding that what you're going through today becomes a preparation road for what God knows is coming tomorrow. That's wisdom. I long for the day where we're not surprised by what God does. Isn't that interesting? I mean, honestly, if we see somebody who gets a benefit from having their, you know, their hangnail prayed for, we're surprised that God does something. We're absolutely beside ourselves at times because, well, I didn't know God would do it that way. Tracy and I still tell stories of people that we, we had no faith for it. It wasn't because we understood. The world told us about our own child that he couldn't walk out of drug addiction. If you don't spend thousands and thousands of dollars and months and months and months and just pray till your knees are calloused and your, and your voice is wore out. And yet when God does something, you walk right out of it just like that. It's a miracle. And we're surprised. I contend that that's what God wants to do. He's been preparing us. So he said, when you roam, verse 22, they will lead you. What? The, the Father's commands, the expression of wisdom will lead you. Everybody tracking with me? When you roam, they will lead you. What? Your Father's commandments, the law of your mother, things that are continually upon your heart, things that you've wrapped around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. If you ever can get your mind around this one, you'll pray differently when your children are asleep and can't goof up. What does it say? When you sleep, they will keep you. Why can't God speak to our children in their sleep? They're just there minding their own business. Why do our kids, when they're little, have to have nightmarish dreams? Wisdom says that's not necessary. Well, yeah, but you know all them terrible things that live in the dark. The only terrible thing that lives in the dark is the lack of light. Anything else there? When you're awake, they'll speak with you. When you, when you wake up, they'll speak with you. Keep you from the evil woman, verse 26 said. So anyway, the instruction that I'm trying to show you here is that over and over again, instruction was given by the father to the son or by the father to the children before it was ever needed. So Proverbs is just this over and over and over again picture. And so please don't get discouraged or, 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 or you know, impatient with what God is doing. Oh yeah, I know that. One of the worst things you could ever say when the spirit of God is active in your life. Oh, yeah, I know that. God doesn't waste any time. So when he's telling you something that you thought you already knew, he's going to explain to you what you thought you knew and what you were missing from what you knew. Faith brings that understanding. Understanding doesn't bring faith. 
Amen? All right, chapter 7. He said, my son. So we've changed again or we've processed again. And he says, keep my words and treasure. Now he's talking to us in another kind of a different way. He says, treasure my words. Treasure my commands within you. Now, let's pay attention to the intent. What God evidently wants to do is to put, your word, put his word in you. Right? Bible says how the word is near you, yes, even in your mouth. Right? Old Testament, New Testament, both say it, Romans chapter 10, and, and I'll think of the other reference in the Old Testament. You know, but how is it the word is near you, even in your mouth, he says. Okay, so he wants to put that in us. What's he asking us to do with the stuff we have in us? Treasure it. Okay, are you ready? Many Christians, maybe average Christians, once they learn something, they don't necessarily treasure what they already know. In fact, in some cases, we devalue the simple things of the Word of God. Right? Because what do we want? We, we, we come to church, we say, okay, pastor, give us some meat. Well, sometimes God won't allow pastors to give meat because most of the church would choke. Meat requires some chewing. And you can't get that chewing done on Sunday morning. I mean, it's an all week long deal where you're processing. So you ought to chew on those things. He wants you to treasure. What's it mean to treasure? It literally means to value something as if it was so valuable you hid it from everybody else. You just dug a hole and covered it, hidden of great value within you. Do you see it? He says, I want you to treasure these things. Now, I know that Proverbs can be a real simple thing. You know, one verse and, and boy, it'll just set you free and all that kind of stuff. But he wants us to treasure that. He wants us to put such an excessive value in that that we literally hide it effectively within ourselves so that no one or nothing can steal it. Hide this treasure. How many of you have got a junk drawer in your house? Or more than one? Okay. How many of you have a place where you put your valuable stuff? I have a place for my valuable stuff. I have one here at the church, and I have one at home. The one at home is in my closet. Now, why am I, why am I telling you where it is? Because you don't know what I value. You will look at my valuable shoebox in my closet, and you'll go through those things and go, well, why did he save that? It won't be valuable to you. If you went into my office right now, in fact, everybody that works here at the church knows that the middle filing cabinet, bottom drawer, has everything that Pastor Glenn wants to maintain control of and considers valuable. Okay? There's a key to everything in that drawer. There's coffee cups. I'll never be without a coffee cup. There's Velcro. I love that. Velcro is my favorite man-made treasure. I have Velcro with sticky stuff. You can put Velcro, peel the back off and stick it somewhere. And, oh, it's a treasure. I have cables and adapters in my drawer. I treasure those things. You want to know why? I got caught in a foreign country one time not being able to hook my American stuff up to their crazy stuff. And I thought, that's never going to happen again. And so I bought this thing with like 30 connectors in it. And I'm telling you right now, I can plug stuff in, plug stuff in, plug stuff in, and it'll work anywhere in the world. 
I have, a, I have an electric um, thing you plug into electricity and you push buttons based on what country you're in. To convert the power, right? You just can't plug your computer in in some countries. You need it to be fixed. Most of the countries use 220. So just take some wires, hook it up to your computer plug-in, and then go stick it in your dryer plug-in. And then be prepared to buy a new computer. I value those things. What, what, now, you say, well, why are you telling us about it? Because they're not valuable to you, but I know exactly where they are. Okay? Now, if we take that over, that's a, that's a, that's a foolish, fleshly example. But there are things in my spirit, man, that I treasure so greatly that I've hid them there. And here's how people try to touch your treasure, okay? You share those things. Remember when Joseph went to his brothers with his treasure? You bow down before. Now, he wasn't mature enough, so he didn't keep his treasure hidden. He said to his brothers and to his mom and dad, we all know that's not going to fly very well. And so what happened was, by exposing his treasure to people who didn't honor it, They dishonored it by dishonoring him. That's why the Bible says, don't cast your pearls before swine. They have no value of pearls. If you cast your pearls before swine and want them back, there's going to be a wrestling match in the pigsty, and one of the people involved is going to enjoy it. Right? You can't do that. You say, well, and so here's how it happens. Are you ready? In today's socially connected environment, people throw pearls out from their well-thought-out position so that the swine can trample them over. And then they get all frustrated because they revealed their treasure. He says, treasure within you. So many people have, have, have wanted... I, I was the cause of many prayer groups. Well, pastor, you need to share that. I'm sharing it with you. Why? Because you are the treasure in my heart. As a pastor, I treasure what God's called me to do. But I don't say what I want to say. I'd like to correct some of you. I'd like to tell you a few things. Spirit of slap comes on me every once in a while. But you got to treasure It's a, I tell you, if you, if you get this, you'll treat people different. Because you'll lose the inspiration to always be correcting people. Well, you know, if you'd just be more like me. First of all, that's never the goal. That's never the goal, to be like you. I don't care how perfect you are. So he says, treasure my commands within you. Verse 2, keep my commands and live. Keep my Old Testament is a little bit hard because the word for live can be just the biological function of living, you know. So it could mean if you don't keep it, you die. It also means that you'll live differently. So in the New Testament, we have bios, where we get biology from, and we got zoe, where we get God kind of stuff from, right? So zoe is the God kind of life. Bios, if we were a product of just our biology, then we would act like animals, We would need, no, don't touch that, Pastor. 
You understand that biology will make, just, just sheer functionality of biology will make you go after things that you treasure, which is your own comfort. A liar has to encourage you to believe their lie so that their lie has power. So when somebody comes to you and is confused about their identity and you believe their lie, you give value to their lie. You've got to treasure the truth of God inside of you. What, what should we do, Pastor? Shouldn't we correct them? Only if God gives you a pathway. Remember, when you roam, just because when you roam and you run into somebody who doesn't think like you, doesn't mean that you should stop and argue with them about how to do life. You've got to wait for God to have those opportunities. I love when I get to speak with people who are confused. Because you can sit there and as they talk, you'll hear through the Holy Spirit what you should deal with. And when you deal with those things and the light bulb turns on, your work is done because God, God did it. God just, just turned them around. And they'll say things like this. No one's ever explained that to me that way. Well, that was God because I'm not smart enough to do it. Right? That was God. So you see, you treasure, you, you, you treasure those commands and it says, keep them and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Again, kind of a, a, a poetic way to say this is the thing that when I look at it, I can recognize it. I am a reasonably good apple picker. I don't mean I pick them off the trees. If you send me to the grocery store, I can pick pretty good apples. But I got to handle them. And I got to look at them. And I got to smell them. Right? I mean, I get intimate with apples. And I got both my hands on it. Why? Because when something is the apple of your eye, the implication is that there's a level of intimacy wrapped up in what God's asking you to do. He said, let these treasures, let these commandments, let this word be the apple of your eye. Inspect it with intimacy. Are y'all tracking with me? See, we go past all these things. And we just, well, yeah, you know, God said it should be the apple of my eye. And, and, and so then we say, well, yeah, you know, I love my kids. Listen, you don't love your kids as much as God loves your kids. In fact, there are things that you love more than your children. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, that isn't true. Yes, it is. Because you're still trying to fix them in your image. And that's how I know you don't love them like God does. I knew no one would like that. I knew nobody's going to stand up and clap. There wouldn't be an amen. But if, if something is the apple of your eye, you have to value it in the, the perspective of God's intent. They're never going to be you. Verse number three, he says, bind them on your fingers. This is such an interesting, interesting commandment. What's he mean by bind it on your fingers? I'm kind of a jokester, and I love sticky notes. I always have sticky notes, always, okay? I got sticky notes in my briefcase. I got sticky notes on my desk. In fact, I trim my sticky notes with a corner rounder, okay, because they're mine. And if I see you with my sticky notes, <laughs> they're mine. Right, Jeremy, is that true? Okay. You go on my desk right now, there's sticky notes and, and two of the ends are rounded. Now I make fun of that. How many of you really want to know why the ends are rounded? 
How many ever picked up a sticky note and couldn't figure out which end you were supposed to pull on? Well, I cut the sticky part. I round the sticky part. I always know how to get a sticky note off there because the top part is rounded. That's wisdom. Hallelujah. (laughs) What's he say? He says, bind them on your fingers. Here's my my sticky note story. I love if you get something sticky like that and put it on your grandchildren's fingers, they'll do this. Okay, so when he's, that's like common, right? They'll look at it. They'll show it to you and and they'll do this. Trying to get the sticky stuff off of them, get the sticky note off of them. But when God says bind them on their fingers, he's not really saying stick it to their hand. He's implying to always keep that in the forefront of what you're looking at. See, it's a whole different, well, bind it, what's that mean? If, if you wrote the word of God on your finger, how many ever cheated in school and wrote, don't raise your hands, <laughs> but you, you wrote, where'd you write the answers? You know, little clues. Bob did that. He, Bob told me that for, for the, the uh, uh, LCATs, you know, to get his lawyer's degree. Why he had, no, he, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> There's only like 800 questions or something like that. But, but how many ever, you know, thought about cheating and thought, well, if you could write that somewhere where you could, where you could look at it, you know? And so you'd, you'd write it on your hands. Yes? Flattery. Yep. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Wrapping the leather things around there. That, that's really the picture that God's trying to give us here. Absolutely. Right, right. Yep. Bind it on the doorpost from the Passover. Absolutely. Same kind of thing. They're keeping it in and it takes some work to bind them on your fingers. Okay, so what's the next one? Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What's he asking us to do? He's asking us through a system of, it's actually the word for engrave. Okay, it's actually the word for, the, for, for engrave. He says, through a system of visible signage or engraving. It's not easy to engrave things on your heart. Right? Sometimes we have an intellectual ascension to things. Right? But an intellectual ascension only goes as far as your intellect goes. Until your intellect accepts that your understanding comes by faith, you'll hold up your intellect and be defeated on the world stage. Well, here, this is what it says. Well, okay, unless God says it, it's only a potential reflection of truth. If God says it, it is the truth. There is no other. And you say, so when do I say that, Pastor? I, want to, I got lots of people I want to tell the truth to. Make sure it's, it's engraved on your heart. Okay? Say to wisdom, you're my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin. Again, if we put the Old Testament and the New Testament together, the only way for understanding to be your nearest kin is for you to understand because you have faith, not the other way around. By faith, we understand. Correct? 
Not we understand to get faith. We understand by faith. By faith we understand. You'll get this. A couple weeks. Just hang on. Notice then he gets down to verse number 6. So we, we bound them. We, 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 we braided them. We, we tied them together and so forth. And we wrote them. We treasured them. So he's saying, here's what you do. And now he's going to talk about this, this picture of life that he saw. Look in verse number 6. He says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, among the simple, those lacking understanding. Okay, so from a New Testament standpoint, they were also lacking something else. By faith we understand. Without faith it's impossible to understand. Not the other way around. And so he saw these simple people. I perceived among the youth a young man devoid of understanding. I I love to teach these kinds of things because the original languages are so much more pointed than what you have. When it says devoid, it literally means this is missing. This is something that you need to see as as being um, completely gone, noticeably absent. It, it is it is actually like calling somebody an idiot. Okay, so it's devoid of those of those things of understanding. It, it it it's so it's so important. And he says he's passing along the street near her corner. This, this is a moral woman, and. And he took the path to her house in the twilight and the evening in the back and the dark night. Black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot. Isn't it interesting that from the very earliest biblical times, dads thought you could tell the character of a woman by how they dressed. Just a thought. With a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay home. This is a married woman, by the way. Now notice in verse 14, let me show you how this works. In verse 14, we see, I have peace offerings with me. What's she saying? I'm on my way to the temple to pay what God requires me to pay. Today I've paid my vows. She's implying her obedience to God's law. Okay, I've done a lot of marital counseling, okay? And in a huge percentage of them, they will say, God led me to the person that they're having an illicit affair with. That's God's obedience. This woman evidently is prepared to convince her target that God is involved. Now, here's why this is important. Oftentimes, people who are devoid of understanding literally have no faith to create the understanding will buy into this because somebody says, this is what God said. This is what God said. If you look back over the history of cultism in in America, all over the world, at the very center of that is a special understanding of what God said. People, I mean, hundreds of people have, have sacrificed their life to something that wasn't God because somebody told them it was God. 
See, that's why he's telling us that we have to treasure this stuff, because when we treasure God's word in our heart, when we hear God's word, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But if you don't treasure that, it won't create the faith that brings understanding before you're smart enough to know what understanding is. Right? And so when somebody tries, well, that's just what God told us to do. Well, you can do that if you want, but I'm not going with you. Okay? I, I, I've been in situations where, where people said, well, this was God. And, and you know, God brings people together. I, I, I grew in my faith during several times where, where cults were right on the forefront of, of just daily life in America. And, and, you know, people saying, well, you know, Y2K was awesome. People wanted to build compounds and fences and grow their own food. And, you know, some of those people are still trying to use up the batteries they bought. <laughs> now, if I would have been wrong, I'd have never said this. But I did a, I did, I did a very similar. I didn't understand how computers worked. So I had two problems with Y2K. Number one, my toaster was not going to work according to them. That's a big deal for me because I use my toaster every morning. My toaster's not going to work. I was a little bit bummed that my microwave wasn't going to work, okay? Because I like microwaves. So I took my computer back in the olden days. You had to put a date in them. You, they didn't come with all that connection. So you had to actually assign a, a, a date, and, and write that in, and then you put the operating system in there. So I fast-forwarded my computer. Instead of it saying, like, 99, I put double zero in there. Because that's what they told me. When it turns double zero, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. Okay? And so I just turned my computer forward. And I tried it at double zero, and then I tried it at 01. You know, and I thought, well, if, if this thing's going to break, I guess I'll break it. And nothing happened. My computer worked fine. I thought, well, this is a dumb idea. Now, I don't know whether that's the right way to, 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 to test it or not. But here's what happened. Without faith, the understanding we had took our focus off the things of God and onto the things of the world. And so we weren't spiritual enough if we didn't have 150 pounds of being. I was actually teaching at a Bible study during this time. And there were some people who, who bordered on the line of survivalists. And, and they were saying, as we were getting started, how they had all this stuff and these guns and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, I said, if somebody doesn't agree with you, I said, that'd be me, first of all. So let's just put faces and names on this. That'd be me. If I come to your house because I'm starving to death because I'm too ignorant to do something like this, what's going to happen to me? And the guy looked me straight in the face and said, I'm going to shoot you. That's not God. Okay? If you got a, a little bit of extra beans... And some tall, fat guy shows up at your door. Just have some grace and give him some beans. Okay? You see, here's the point. What happens is when people shroud things in the cover of Christianity and God's obedience, it'll take our focus off of what God's called us to do. Amen. That's what this woman did. See why this is important? When you start looking at these things, you go, oh, my word, I've done this. I've done I am old enough. When, when, I, when I was taking care of my mom and dad's stuff, my mom worked for JCPenney when I was a kid. She had a JCPenney credit card with a six-digit number. Six-digit. They're 24 digits now. Okay? And I remember when credit cards came in, you, you, you didn't used to have a credit card, right? If you wanted to, to, 
to go get something, you either had to have the cash or figure out how to do it. You couldn't put down a piece of plastic. And then everybody and their dog got in the credit card business. And, of course, somebody came out and said, you know, all them numbers, that's a sign of the devil. Right? And then we had presidents who were signs of the devil, and we had this, and we had that. And now they want to inject you with something, some little computer chip, so they can keep track of you. Okay, I don't know whether that's true or not, but if somebody asks your permission to shoot something into you, I don't care what it is, you get to have the opportunity to say yes or no. They say you can't buy, you can't sell, because they're going to put something in your wrist or in your forehead or whatever. Right? You got, you got options. You say, well, but they're just terrible they're doing this. Well, the books seem to suggest they're going to do something like that at the end times. And you may say, well, I don't believe we're in the end times. This is just a political ploy to control us. Or Jesus is standing at the crack in heaven waiting for God to go. I don't know. I don't know. But you see, don't let anybody use biblical sounding obedience sounding things to get your eyes off of what God's called you to do amen God hadn't called this young man to get sexual experience with this married woman can we all just agree that that's probably a, a given I have peace offerings were torn to pay my vow so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your faith he's she's flattering we have scriptures leading up to this in chapter four that that, that the that the adulterous woman will be flattering with her tongue it's happening. Skip down if you would. Verse 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. He made a decision. Why do we hide the treasure in our heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart comes the stuff comes out of her mouth. And he agreed to go with her. See why Proverbs is important in this area? You say, well, that's, that's, just, that's just about these young people. Well, actually, he calls them youth, but he's literally talking about people who don't have the smarts to trust God's word. And that's all of us. Her flattering lips, she seduced him. Verse 23, till an arrow. I love, I love biblical language. Till an arrow struck his liver. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like to get shot in the liver. But when the Bible talks about this stuff, they're talking about something that's kind of real serious, right? So when the Bible says, I, I love you with all my heart, the word for heart there oftentimes is the word for bowels, which doesn't make sense in an earthly world. If you said to your significant other, I love you with all my bowels, she or he may not be impressed by that. But the point is, it's all of that internal stuff that makes up life. And so when he said, I'm like, I, got I got shot in my liver, my, my grandfather always used to say, if you shoot a chicken in the gizzard, you can eat it. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. <laughs> they shot him in his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost him his life. You see it? 
See, if we don't read this and spend a little time in this, we, we don't see, wow, I got a treasure of God's word because it is protection to me. And if you keep reading, it says, now, therefore, listen to me, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending into the chambers of death. Isn't that interesting? Now, see, it, it only becomes that much more powerful when you realize how hard this dad is working to get this stuff across to his son. Right? And using all this great language that works. Okay, so we're on chapter 8 for next time. Come together and have a good time reading that. Amen. Father, thank you for this day, for helping us, Father, to work our way through this passage. Also, Father, thank you for helping us see the treasure that's in your word that we are to hide, engrave on our hearts, put on our fingers, bind around our neck, Father. We just see the importance that you place on this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.